Hey folks, I just would, uh, on something that I know Pastor Josh and us have been wanting to happen for a while, just to share a testimony from um, Aaron and Jenny, from Jenny and Aaron, so here we go. All right. Jenny, this has been a long time in the waiting. Cheryl was trying to get us to share at the picnic, and we unfortunately were late that day, so we weren't able to share. Um, but I just know that addiction in this area is, is outrageous. It's affecting a lot of people. I guarantee you everybody in this room knows somebody that's been affected by it or a family member. You know, it's running rampant in this area. And we just wanted to share a little bit about our testimony and what God has brought us through with our addiction. Um, we were addicted to heroin. We were both IV users um, for a long time. And it brought us to points where we lost our child to CPS. Um, my husband was in jail, in prison because of it. And, you know, the Lord has brought us through so much. Um, I'm sorry, it's a little emotional, but I just want you guys to know that if anybody in your family or yourself is struggling with alcohol, it doesn't even have to be drugs. It can be shopping, pornography. There's other addictions that the enemy lands on you and, and is in your family. And I just want to say right now, in the name of Jesus, that those addictions be gone. Gone. <laughs> They have no hold over your family or friends. And um, praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. <laughs> uh, let's just extend, before you go, just extend your hands their way, would you? Let's bless them. Father, we thank you for the calling that you have on Aaron and Jenny. It's a calling to be set free, but it's also a calling to set free. And we declare in the name of Jesus the fullness of your God-given destinies, Aaron and Jenny, to come forth. No matter what the enemy has tried to steal and he's meant for evil, it is turning for good in the name of Jesus because you've loved him and you've, you've embraced your identity as his son and as, as his daughter. We bless the fullness of your commission for them to set free and free indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Woo. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Yeah. <laughs> If you missed that online, Pastor Ball just said that's only the beginning, and it is true. It is true. He is the author and the completer of our faith, and we are being completed, but we're not yet completed. It's an awesome experience to be in his presence and be being completed in it. That's a lot of that's going on today in Jesus' name. Praise God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. <laughs> Last night I wasn't sure how much I would get in this message. Today I'm really not sure how much I'll get in this message. <laughs> but I feel the Holy Spirit keeps saying, do it, do it, do it. 
you know, it's okay to say you feel something when the Spirit's leading you. God gave us feelings, not to be slaves to our emotions, but to be surrendered and yielded, reverent to what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. So when I say I feel the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's a holy feeling. It's a holiness. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I say it and I declare it because I think you should too. It's what God intends. He said in John 3, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is led by the Holy Spirit. He takes us and goes, who is born of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. And being born of the Holy Spirit, we're also led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. There's an ever in reverence. The word ever means always, continual, nonstop. Jesus is our example of perfect reverence. The author of Hebrews writes in chapter 5, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions to God with fervent, with fervent tears. And he was saved from death because of his reverence before God. Jesus led by example in us being reverent before God the Father. The word reverence means to have this sense of awe, respect, honor, a holy caution even when we come to the Lord, when we come into his presence. We come in his presence and sometimes we get a little too carefree and too careless and we can even be deceived in thinking, oh, it's okay if I'm doing this or that or thinking this or that. And we know in our hearts, because the Holy Spirit's the universal convictor of our hearts, that what we're thinking, what we're doing, or what we're not thinking, we should be do thinking, is wrong. It's sin. And so that idea of coming before him with reverence is coming before him and saying, God, truly, whatever you say is right, is right. And whatever you say is wrong is wrong. And that's repentance. We've been talking about communion. And Jesus does something beautiful. I hope by the grace of God to convey some of it in this message. He does something beautiful that leads up to his instituting the sacrament of communion. It's only written in one place in Scripture, it's John 13, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And he does this out of reverence before God the Father, and he does it to teach us reverence before God the Father and him as well. In verse 1, let me just mention this. This is 24 hours before Jesus is going to be crucified. Chapters 13 through 17 in John's Gospel are 20, the, the day out, less than 24 hours before he's crucified. It's the feast of Passover, and he knows he's going to die, and he's about to wash their feet as a lead-up to the first communion. He says this, John writes, Before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus, in his reverence before the Father, had no stop in his love for people. 
It says it right here in the plain reading of Scripture and elsewhere. He loved them to the end. He knows, as he prophesies a little bit later in this discourse, chapters 13 through 17, Jesus tells them, you're going to scatter disciples. You're going to go away. You're going to leave me. But he loves them to the end, no matter what they're doing, no matter what his brethren are doing. How many times do we have difficulty, saints of God, when we get quote-unquote, blindsided by a brother or a sister in what they're saying, what they're doing. I did not expect that from you. I've been told that. I've told that to others. That's where this has application for us. Jesus knew they were going to leave him. He knew they were going to be scattered. In just a few verses, we'll see that he knows that Judas is going to betray him, yet he's still washing his feet because of his reverent submission before the Father. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Supper is in progress. The devil having already put it into Judas's heart to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was coming to God, rose up from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. I've never seen this before. I'm going to share it with you. Maybe you've already seen it. Bear with me if you have. He came from God. It's a picture with this foot washing. In preparation for it, Jesus is taking off his outer garment. Philippians 2 says, he laid aside his glorified state who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. It's Jesus laying aside his glorified state in heaven and coming to earth because he loves us, because of his reverent submission to the Father. When Jesus takes off his outer garment, he's symbolizing what he's done. He's taking, off, he's taking off his glorified state, and he's giving them a three-dimensional, lifetime illustration of what he's doing. I am coming down and getting dirty and coming low because I love you, and I want to come under you, and I want to make sure you're clean. It says he takes a towel, and he girds himself with it. Girding, in the Bible... It's like what we put on his underwear, except it's a robe or a towel. He's taking this towel and putting it around him. And it's the very thing, the loose ends of it, that he's going to use to wipe off their feet. The putting on of a towel is something servants do. Jesus the Lord, Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Master is putting on a towel, and he's taking on a picture. He's taking on his commission from the Father in reverent submission of being a servant for you and me. Isn't that awesome? It gets better. After that, he poured out water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. It's hard to find a picture 
of the true description of John chapter 13, of the washing of the feet of the disciples. But I did find a sculpture. Most of the pictures depict the outer garment still on, but it's significant that it came off because he's trying to tell them, he's trying to show them, this is what I've done for you. I have left something very heavily, very, very uh, valuable because you are valuable. He's trying to tell them that. So he is there without a shirt on and just this girding of a towel, washing in this sculpture Peter's feet. Peter says to him, Lord, you are washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. It's interesting that Peter addresses Jesus as Lord. Lord, you are Lord. He's correctly addressing him. But at the same time, he's questioning what he's doing because he doesn't understand it. Saints of God, how many times do we hear from the Lord and he's telling us to do something and we don't understand it and it causes us to question him? I like these passages in the scripture, for example. I like these particular passages that pour out the blessing. But this one that says, I must crucify my flesh, I don't really understand that one. Are you sure, God, that you want me to crucify my flesh? During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions to God with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, it goes on to say in verse 8 of Hebrews 5, son though he was, he learned to be obedient in his suffering. You and I are no greater than our Lord. He led by example, and he went a lot deeper and in a lot harsher conditions. A lot more darkness of the soul he went through so that we don't have to go to that level, so that we can, by the Holy Spirit, receive his grace in our reverent submission and do the things that we challenge God with, do the things that our flesh says, are you sure you want me to do this? Do you really want me to empty my bank account and put it here? <laughs> Do you really want me to forgive this person that abused me? Neglected me. Repeatedly. Jesus was abused and neglected in a deeper way than any of us have experienced. In his dying breath, he says on the cross, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? There's been a lot of bad things that have happened in our lives. All of us have stories to tell. None are deeper and greater than the story of Jesus. He died and made a way so that we can be set free no matter how bad we think we have it. And some of us, being candid, some of us have it pretty bad at times. We've had some bad stuff happen in our lives. It's never more than Jesus. And he's trying to show us 
even though I'm going through this abandonment on the cross, even though I'm going through this depth and this lowness, lowliness and this darkness, I am still reverently submitted to my Father in heaven. And as I go, he says in chapter 16, as he continues the address, as I go, the Holy Spirit will come who will give you grace so that you can do it. Grace that is sufficient in our weakness. Amen? Peter says, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answers, if I do not wash you, you have no part in me. It's this picture of dirty feet. They've got, the disciples have dirty feet from walking in these roads that are just dusty and they're muddy. The junk that's been discarded on the road. Refuse. All kinds of things on their feet. It's a symbol. It's a beautiful picture of us going through our lives. Jesus laying aside his outer garment, getting down and washing our spiritual feet because as we walk, we're picking up dirt. Those of us, as we'll read in just a moment, that are already clean are still picking up dirt in our daily lives. The sins, our hearts, and our sinful nature is taken care of. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But then just a little bit before that, Paul says, we are being made into his image. We are new. Our sinful nature is taken care of. We no longer are slaves to sin. But we're also being made new and walking out that perfected state by his grace. None of us are perfect, in other words. And so as we walk through these, through life, we pick up things. And Jesus is constantly telling us, be reverent before me. Continue to come before me. Continue to be with me. Continue to come to my table. As you are, the Lord's Supper, which we're going to celebrate in a moment. Come to my table as you are, and let me clean you. Let me wipe you. Let me make sure that that scarlet sin is washed white as snow. It's replaced. Jesus says, what I am doing you do not understand now. We already read that. If I, okay. If I do not wash you, you have no part of me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my, own, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to, be, to wash his feet. What I just explained. He's taken care of our sinful nature, yet we still have this tendency to pick up things that we shouldn't pick up. That is what we get cleaned off regularly as Christians, and we walk perpetually holy in his presence. He knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, I just want to pause there and show you one more picture. That bowl, that basin that Jesus was using to wash the feet was muddy. It was dirty. Last night I shared it was 24 feet that he washed. That's 120 toes. (laughs) 
And it's interesting to just consider how long it might have taken him for each foot. He was probably there in his underwear, in this servant's outfit, for a half hour or more. And the disciples are taking this in. One by one, he's watching, washing their feet. And his hands are getting dirty so that they can be clean. Saints of God, that's what he's done for us. That's what he's doing for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He put his garments back on. This is a picture of Philippians 2. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him. He humbled himself. And then it says God also highly exalted him. He resumed his glorified state. And he sat down at the table. It's likened unto him sitting at the throne. I've never seen that before. This symbolism in the washing of the feet. I'm so glad Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. One of the issues that will prevent every move of God from reaching its full potential is when brothers and sisters in Christ don't wash each other's feet. And I'm speaking symbolically. This is not an institution of sacrament that Jesus is saying. He's talking about the idea of coming under each other, lifting each other up. It's really one of the biggest ways that the devil uses to deceive us is when we think we have it harder than everybody else. And then we say to our brother or sister, or we don't say to them a lot of times, in our pride, <clears throat> they don't understand what I'm going through. And we decide to write them off, cut them off. We don't do it necessarily verbally. Some of us have texted, some of us have done it verbally. But a lot of times it's, it's really insidious, it's really quiet, like you're on one side of the church and they're on the other side of the church. You see them talking to somebody and you go right around them. We need to keep in mind that the very feet that Jesus washed are those that were scattered. He knew they would scatter. He knew that Peter would deny him. He knew that Judas would betray him. Some of us feel betrayed. It's not, it's not just that someone doesn't understand what I've gone through. Everybody, every single one, I'm just going to clear the air. Every single one of us has gone through stuff that nobody knows about except Jesus. I honor that. I respect that. We've all gone through our trials. But he died to set us free from bondage to those trials. Whatever degree, whatever they might rank, he sets us free and free indeed. And so when we start to take up these offenses, it undermines the very work of God. John goes on to say, in just a few verses, we're not going to get there, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this my Father is glorified, that you love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you love one for another. This is the, this is the preeminent thing. This is the foundational thing for Christians. Two simple laws he gives us, love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength, and love each other as ourselves. That's it. 
And so you hear me with a lot of enthusiasm because I prophetically see the future of this place. And I see the future of this region and many churches rising to the occasion. And we're one of them. He's impacting. He's bringing his kingdom to this place. He's bringing his kingdom to this region. And we're going to see a lot more of Aaron and Jenny's testimony. This, amen. This box in the last four weeks, seven of the names, four and a half weeks now, seven of the names in this box, if you don't know what this box is, it's full of names of people that were believing to come to the Lord out of love, not out of religion, but the reality of reverence and love before him. <laughs> Declaring into the, into the atmosphere, the spiritual atmosphere over this place, light in the darkness, seven of the names have come to know the Lord in the last four and a half weeks. It's in large part due what the Apostle Paul says. I can prophesy, I can declare, I can wax eloquent like angels. It's all out the door if I don't have love. We need to walk reverently before the Lord and love each other as he demonstrated, as he wants us to. That love is what's going to take this world. It's so absent in this world. It's the distinction. It's the distinction between us and the world. He doesn't call us to leave the world, but in it for us to be kept from the evil one. Being kept from the evil one is not going into self-preservation mode, self-protection, self-love. It's me laying down my life, bowing down reverently before the Father and loving you, 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 and you, regardless of if it's reciprocated or not regardless of whether or not you love me back. Because I'm reverent before the Father. That is my foundation, the rock that I will not be moved or shaken from. Jesus Christ is the rock. By grace of the Father, I'm not moved. So regardless of whether it comes back to me or not, I lay my life down for you. That is what's going to win this region. When we love each other as ourselves, we love our neighbors we give them the best, and we take the second best. We open up our houses. We open up our tables. We commune with each other. We discuss with each other. We pray for each other. We're there for each other. There's a limit what, what people can do in their own strength, but with the strength of God, there's nothing we can't do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Praise God. For I have given you an example, Jesus says, that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The number of times that we let divisions and schisms and things come between us and others, we need to keep in mind that we're no greater than the master. And he's telling us to let those go and wash each other's feet. When we fail to forgive each other, he's telling us, we're saying we're greater than him because he even forgave Judas. He expressed forgiveness to Judas. And we can get into that discussion another time. Judas sinned. I'm not 
saying anything differently than that. He sinned. He is the son of perdition. But Jesus still came under him and washed his feet. He wants us to do it as well. And he wants us to do it forever. I want you to take your feet, take your stand and take your elements if you would. If you can stand. I feel the Holy Spirit leading me to share something I have written down here as we prepare to take our elements. He wants me to address gossip in this place. It's a red flag. When we gossip about each other, when we talk about each other, we talk about the problems in each other's lives, we're no different than the world, for one. But it's a red flag of irreverence before the Lord. If we're reverent before Him, we'll know that he loves the person we're talking about. And we'll know that he wants us to go to that person and be with that person that's a brother and a sister. If you're the subject of the gossip, it's a red flag of irreverence if you take up an offense. Jesus took all those offenses on himself. He took our sin on ourselves so that we don't have to carry them. We're called to walk in the light of his reverence as he was reverent, not in the darkness of judgment, not in the darkness of offense. Part of the blindness that the God of this age inflicts on the children of God is this idea that I have a right to take up this offense. And Jesus is saying, forgive like I've forgiven. The master led us by example. Let it go. Amen? We're instructed in Scripture to examine ourselves before we partake. There's no question, there's no question whatsoever that all of us have sinned this morning let alone in the week leading up to this communion supper. He doesn't call us to come perfectly. He calls us to come reverently. And he tells us to examine ourselves so that if there's anything that we need to repent of that he wants to reveal, unforgiveness, division, lying, cheating, whatever it would be, he wants us to leave space for that right now before we partake. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us and examine our hearts. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness that you've given us as we repent. And we thank you for the forgiveness that you're pouring through us to others. 
We thank you for your love toward us and your love for them. Jesus, we thank you that your body was broken. Your skin laid open as you took all the sins that we've committed on yourself. And as we partake of this bread, we remember and we were, we're reverent before you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that your life was spilled, your blood was spilled, which is the life source. You gave your very life for us. And we bless as we partake of the fruit of the vine. We bless all the ways that you are in this time with you, in our communion with you and with each other, all the ways that you're bringing life to us in our bodies, in our spirits, in our souls but also life to this church and life to your body that is this church. We partake in receiving your life in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open up our eyes, increase the revelation of what it is to commune with you like we just have. I bless the fullness of the blessing that you have for us as we've communed with you with right hearts, with reverent hearts. Don't let us be the same as when we came in today. The things that you've spoken to us, the things that you've put in our hearts, the changes that you're calling us to make, they start with you. God wants us to be reverent before him, saints of God, and he gives us the grace to do it. I bless you in Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you would like prayer, the altar's open, and we've got plenty of people that would love to pray for you and see what God wants to do in your life. In Jesus' name, bless your days.